0: Well good morning church family. Morning. How are we? Good. good. It's really good to see all of you. Uh, if you didn't get there yet, go ahead and turn to Second Peter chapter 1. Man, I don't want to be so far away. That's better. Did I say 2 Peter? I meant 2 Corinthians. <laughs> Thank you Tammy for always keeping me in line. Second Corinthians chapter 1. And I also want you to have chapter 6 available as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And also 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We are in this series called Prayerology, which is an accompaniment with a season of hungering for God that we've been doing for the last 14 days. And is continuing for the next seven, a total of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I know many of you are participating in unique ways of how you are fasting and praying. And and and, and we are uh, pr- hopefully equipping you with ways that you can be uh, praying in fresh, new ways to the Lord um, with these resources. You've been hopefully you've been getting daily emails from me. Uh, if you haven't, can you just raise your hand if you've not seen a single email? Okay, we can talk. I need to get your email's address. You come find me. We'll get you on the mailing list. Because that's our church email list. So if you didn't get it, then we ain't got your email. So we got to figure that out. So I just kind of want to ask. I mean, I don't need big, long explanations. How is this going for you? How is it? How is praying and fasting? How is seeking the Lord going for you? I just want to hear. Good? If you say good, I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, I guess it's going good. Silence. All right, we'll talk. So here's what I'm thinking. I, uh, we have our uh, worship night next Sunday night. It's just, uh, we've already heard about it, it's going to be unplugged. Uh, we're going to have a time there where you can share testimonies of what God has been doing in your life in these last 21 days, or the last 14 days, soon to be 21 next week, okay? So so if, if you want to be willing to share, I want to hear what God is uh, doing in your life through this season. But uh, I want to ask you a very pointed question this morning to kind of kick off our time uh, together, and it's one that kind of poked at me and I hope does the same to you. And this is the or the, simply, the simple question, if God gave you everything you've been praying for, what would you have? Hey, all right. Well, not yet. We want you here right now. If God gave you everything that you have been praying for, what would you have? That's a, that's, a, that's a big question. Like the magnitude of this question is so surreal. What would you have? Well, everybody's answered. Now you talk. All right. Jeez. That was the question that wasn't supposed to have answers. I've got them for you. Now, I, 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 let's just kind of examine this. If God gave you everything you have, or everything you've been asking for, some of you would probably be too ashamed to answer that question, because you'd say, well, I'd win the lottery, right? I, I'd, I'd have that new, uh, ver, uh, new model, of the Ford F-150, because you know God does not delight to give anybody but a Ford. You can't ask him for a, a Chevy or, or a, a, a Dodge. Just It's always Ford. Um, maybe you'd have, if you, if, I mean, again, you might be ashamed to answer this because you'd have that new million dollar home over in that new subdivision going up. Uh, you would have perfect kids and your life would be stress free. You would have uh, a rich new boo, a sugar daddy. (laughs) You might even say that you'd be able to answer this and you say, well, the commanders would have a winning season for once. I warned, I warned the, the two commander seat fans, I know, ahead of time. If you love the commanders, sorry. I'm ducking. All right. There's a reason why you don't have those things. James 1:3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you spend, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Some of you ashamed to answer this question maybe not because of what you've been asking for maybe your response to this question would be well honestly pastor scott i don't think i'd have a thing because i haven't been praying okay and yet some of you many of you would have some incredible things revival would break out in your homes the spirit of god would move in our church family afresh You would have a new family member that you've been praying for for years give their life to Jesus. You'd you'd finally reach a level of sanctification that you're like, yes, thank you, Lord. That addiction would be cut out of your life. The habit of sin that you continue to indulge in would be forever removed. You'd have divine wisdom in this crazy circumstance that you're in right now. You would have a restored marriage or a brand new one. You would have all these incredible things that God is pleased to give if he gave them when you asked. Guys, I would also just let you know. I don't. I, I didn't tell you guys this, um, but uh, I took the shepherd team, not the servant team, the shepherd team, away Friday night and all day Saturday. Uh, thanks to the generosity of, of one of the couples in our church, we got to stay in a cabin over the mountain uh, Friday night and Saturday, and we just sought the Lord together. We hungered for the Lord together. We Friday night prayed and read God's Word and heard it preached for what was like four hours, and then. Um, Saturday, we spent time praying, and it was just incredible. And I, I tell you this, if God gave everything that our shepherds asked for, if God gave us everything that we as your shepherd team asked for, you'd have godlier leaders. <laughs> you, you would have a, a ton of new people in this church saved by the gospel. You'd have new disciples growing up in their faith in Christ and growing into a maturity. You'd have, some of you would be stepping up as disciple makers. Others of you would be stepping out as passionate evangelists. Some of you would even be ending up overseas as new missionaries. Community and unity would just continue to flourish and thrive in our church and a move of the Holy Spirit would break out and the kingdom of God would break in afresh if God gave us everything that we've asked for. Now, regardless of however you would answer that question, regardless of what your response would be, today, I want to show you from God's word how you can pray in such a way that God will answer every single one of your prayers with a resounding yes. I just got you hook along and singer, didn't I, Right? Like, wait, 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 there's something I can do that will guarantee God saying yes to everything that I pray for so I can get that new bins, I can get that new house, I can get that new renovation. No, 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 this is, this is not turning God into a genie in a bottle sort of trick. It's not like you've got to prove yourself and be better and then God's like, hey, finally, I'll give you what you want, everything you ask for. No, no. But there is a way that you can pray that guarantees a response of yes from God every time you pray. So so far in this series, we've talked some of the why to prayer. And today, it's going to be the how. It's going to be the how. So if you're, again, not there yet, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Did I say 1 Corinthians 1 earlier? You can tell I'm all befuddled, discombobulated. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's not too hard. It's just the next book. Come on, they're in that order. You can flip there. 2 Corinthians 1. As you're getting to the correct passage, after you probably were in Peter, um, let me tell you the context. Let me tell you what's happening in our passage. This is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Technically, it's, it's the one included. Technically, it's the third because there was one in between, I think. So he mentions, but uh, this is the second in the canon. And this letter to the church in Corinth, it actually starts out with kind of some negative tones. It's not, it's like, kind of like Galatians. He's like, thanks be to God. Who befold you, right? Like, oh man. So we get to the second Corinthians and it starts off with some pretty negative tones. Here's why. Paul had expressed plans to the church in Corinth. He had made promises that he was going to come and visit with them and be with them for a while. And it turns out his plans had to change. He wasn't able to go and visit them, and if you If you have read through the first letter to the church in Corinth, you can tell that they're kind of a messed up church like like and, which is every church. no church is perfect. you want to know why because we're in it right like uh, but but the first the church in Corinth is really like they've got some serious issues, so it turns out that they don't don't necessarily respond with grace and truth and love and forgiveness to Paul. They get perturbed. They're ticked off. Paul said he was going to come, and he's not coming. And they start making accusations against Paul. They accuse Paul, saying that he breaks promises, and that he doesn't actually care about them. Now, in verse 17 of chapter 1, Paul's like, do you actually think that I'm the kind of guy that would make plans, confirm them, while at the same time knowing they're not going to actually work out? <laughs> That'd be kind of messed up in his own heart, right? But no, he's like, no, that's not me. Now, we understand plans change, right? We we know that. Are you sovereign? Oh, this is a, a please. This is one of those questions where I need an answer because I want to know if you think you're sovereign. Are you sovereign? No, you make make plans and can they happen to be changed? Absolutely. We can't keep our word 100% of the time. We try to let our yes be yes and our no be no. So that's why we as Christians, knowing this, knowing that we're not all sovereign, that we're not all powerful, are able and willing and quick to forgive other brothers and sisters whose words or plans fall through. But not the church in Corinth. They're like, nah, We're mad. But here's what happens. We we get to our passage in verse 18, and Paul could have been like trying to defend his own character, his own reputation. He could have been like, listen, I made this promise to this church, and and I fulfilled that one, and I made this promise to this church, and I made sure that one was kept. He could have just defended his own character, which is what what we want to do, right? We want to make sure that nobody thinks bad thoughts about us. But Paul does not defend his character He defends God's character. He defends the character of Jesus. Look at verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. Because it can't be at the same time, right? For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Savannah, Timothy, and I, did not become yes and no, on the contrary, in Jesus, it is always yes. For every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. As there's a lot that we could talk through. We could talk about the character of God, his faithfulness, and we'll have overtones of that throughout the morning. But, and we've had overtones throughout the morning of that. That's, that's not what I want to necessarily fix in on. I think in light of our study on prayer, we, we need to get to uh, some of what this text emphasizes. Two main truths. And so if you have notes, I, these might be the two big points for the morning uh, with an application to follow. First is, Jesus is God's yes. Can you say that? Jesus is God's yes. We'll get to the second one in a little bit. And is Jesus is our amen. You don't have to repeat me there. We'll get there in a second. But first, Jesus is God's yes. We have several times in Scripture where Jesus is referred to as the truth. He says, I am the way, the and the life. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, we see that Jesus is named faithful and true. So he is the truth, meaning he is the, the definition of reality. It means that he is the source of all understanding. It means that he is the one who can actually provide clarity on reality. So ultimately, God is the source of all truth. Think about it this way. Everything that is actually true is God's truth. Belongs to him. God is the source of it all. He's the source of what is certain. And Jesus is God's yes. And in this context, in the context of Paul having failed to keep a promise, he brings up God and his promises. And in this context, Paul says that Jesus is God's yes to all of the promises of God. So, Jesus is God's yes to all of his promises, which means when God promised to Abraham that he was going to bless him and he was going to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham's line, through one offspring that would eventually come, Jesus is God's yes to Abraham. And when David, when when God promised David that there would be one who would come, one of his offspring, who would establish his throne for eternity, forever... Jesus is God's yes to David. In Jeremiah 29 11, when God promises the exiled Israelites that he has plans for them, to prosper them, to give them a hope and a future, ultimately, Jesus is God's yes to that promise. You see, Jesus is all of God's promises towards humankind. Made certain, made truthful, made reality in this world. Jesus is the key for us to all of God's promises. Now, uh, you should rightly be asking at this point all of them? All of them? Like all of the promises? Like, all of them, you're saying, like, if I were to flip through the whole Old Testament, if I were to find a promise to some dude, right? Like, right there, there's one to Joshua, right? Jesus is God's yes to that promise for me? I thought it was for him. Was it for me? Like, okay, let's go back to Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's go back to that coffee mug verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, made to the Israelites who were in exile away from their home. So you should be asking, well, wasn't that promise made to them and not to me? How could that promise or any other promise made to Abraham or, or, or Jacob or, 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 or David or whoever, name him, or Moses, or just keep going, how could could Jesus be the yes to those promises for me? Because that's what Paul says here. He says it in this text. Jesus is God's yes to all of his promises to us, for us. How does this work? Well, um, the word promises... In this letter to the Corinthian church, the second letter, only appears twice. It's once here in chapter 1, and then there's a second time in chapter 6. So go ahead and turn there. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You're going to be looking at the end of chapter 6. Because Paul does something with God's promises that will help us understand how to answer this tough question. Let me ask a a, a question that I want to make sure we all have in mind. Is the church in Corinth Jew or Gentile? Gentile. They're a Gentile church. The difference between Gentile and Jew is that Gentile... If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Basically, ethnic Jews and then everyone else are Gentiles. So, So basically... The church in Corinth, they're just non Jews, predominantly. And yet, in chapter 6, verse 16, Paul begins to quote several promises from God that were made years, centuries beforehand, specifically to his people, the Jews. Let's take a look, verse 16. We'll read through the end of the chapter what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, here it begins, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Stop there for a second. If you, some of you might have a kind of Bible that makes sure you know that those are quotes from the Old Testament. In fact, some of you might have Bibles that give you the references to them. If you don't know, Leviticus 26, Exodus 32, Isaiah 52... Promises recorded in three different books from the Old Testament, centuries ago, made to Jews. Okay? Random promises, given at different historical times, to different generations of Jews. And yet, look at how Paul starts chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises. You see that? He's taking Old Testament promises made to Jews and he's saying, since we, you, the church in Corinth, you Gentiles, us, we, I'm a, Paul's writing, he's a Jew, right? He's Jew of all Jews, as he would say. He's a Jew, they're Gentiles. He said, since we, us together have these promises. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Gentiles, centuries later, and Paul says, You have these two, they are yours. We call these promises our own because they are in Scripture because they are part of Jesus' inheritance that he won for us on the cross, and we have been united with him. Therefore, everything that he won and inherits, we get with him. Jesus is God's yes to all of his promises, which means we too have these promises, and every promise from God for every dimension of our lives is ours. Now, Some scholars have done the work of trying to count all the promises in the Bible. There's about 3,000. Three grand of promises. In fact, you could probably say that the Bible is a book of promises. Many of which have been fulfilled. And in a Christ-centered way, every one of God's promises is a resounding yes in Jesus. And most of those promises are for you and me. Now, sometimes you need to be careful with some of them. Many of them have been completed in Jesus. Some of them are being applied to you now. And some of them are waiting for you at the restoration of all things. So it's, it's, it's something that you've got to carefully navigate where it lands. But all of them, every single one of them, are made certain because of Jesus. They're guaranteed. They are a yes. And so because Jesus is God's yes to all of his promises, what does this mean for us? Well, that's the second part about this. That Jesus is God's yes, therefore he is also our amen. Can you say this? Jesus is our amen. So let's get back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. Go back to verse 20. And I want want you to see how it ends. We just talked about that that because of every one of God's promises is, is finding its yes, its certainty in Jesus. Look at the end of verse 20. That is why it is through him, Jesus Christ, the son of God, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We utter our amen. What category of Christian practice and discipline do the words utter and amen fall under? Prayer. We pray our amen. We utter our amen. The word amen is a transliteration of the Hebrew word "amen," and it means Let it be so. Or indeed. Let it be accomplished. So, if yes means the promises are certain or they're guaranteed, amen means that they're accomplished. Let it be done. Guys, in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 16, God is called the God of amen. The God of let it be done. In Revelation 3, 14, when Jesus is writing to the church in Laodicea, he writes to the angel of the church in Laodicea, and he says, the words of thee, amen, himself. Jesus is the amen. He is God accomplishing all of his promises. So because of this, we speak, we utter, we pray our amens over God's promises in Jesus' name. That's why we speak the name of Jesus when we pray. We do it in agreement that Christ has won them for us. He's made them certain, and he's accomplishing them. And when we pray, we're asking that they would be accomplished, that God's promises would be accomplished. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to the dynamic here. This is very important that you understand this. Jesus is not amen to all that we pray But to all that God promised. (laughs) You got that? You swallowing that pill? Might not taste good, but it feels good. Jesus isn't amen to all that we pray, he is amen to all that God has promised. So Jesus is God's yes and amen. To all meaningful hopes, to our longings for life, for wisdom, for righteousness, for godliness and sanctification and on and on and on. God says no to every selfish and perverted longing of humanity. He says no to every desire to get rich quick or to dominate others or to, per, to use others or things for selfish gain and advantage. God cannot speak of promise He cannot speak of promise and let it blow away with the wind. It is his promise after he has uttered it. And those to whom it was given can bring it back to him and say, that is your promise, will you not fulfill it? If a man repudiates his own pledged word, he does, in fact, repudiate the fruit of himself, the outgoing of his own life. Guys, God's character is on the line. Every time it comes to him keeping his promises. Guys, which is why he's so passionate about keeping all of them. Which is why he's so good at keeping all of his promises. It's why he's so faithful to his own word. And that's why all 3,000 promises are so precious and so great. And so those are the, the two kind of main truths I don't have the screen anymore. Those are the two main truths that we've looked at in this text. First, that Jesus is God's what? Yes. The easiest three-letter word you can find. Jesus is God's what? And Jesus is our? Amen. Amen. Yes and amen. So here's where all of this is going to land perfectly into your hunger for God. This season of prayer and fasting. This is the challenge that I want to give to you, that I want to make to you today. I want us to practice this. It's a simple practice to incorporate into the life of our prayer. The, uh, and, and, and I think the quote from Spurgeon really hints at it, but, but this is the main simple truth. I want you to pray God's promises. Can you say that? Pray God's promises. That's really Simple. Is that too hard of a challenge? Is that going to just weigh you down this week? No, you can pick that bad boy up and carry it with you everywhere you go. It's so light because it's this heavy. Pray God's promises. In other words, take his promises back to him. Remind him of his promises. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to do that because he forgot. Oh man, where did I misplace that promise? (laughs) No, he doesn't do that. You take his promises back to him because you're showing him how much you treasure his word. How much it means to you when he says these things. And you value his word so much that you're willing to talk it back to him. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question uh, that's about something we did last week. If you don't know the question, no judgment, right? If you don't know the answer, no problem. Who can remember how we defined prayer last week? It's okay. Prayer, if you didn't get it, prayer is the personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. Prayer is the personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. It's a definition given out of Tim Keller's book, Prayer Experiencing on Intimacy with God. Highly recommend it. However funny it is, all sorts of people offer up to the church definitions of prayer, and J. Gary Miller says prayer is this. Prayer is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do. I'll take that one too. In fact, brothers and sisters, some of the most powerful words that you can utter in your prayer life are you said. God, you said. Guys, God's like, he's not like us in any way, right? Like he's not like us because when when we hear those words like if I hear them from my wife I'm going to brace my heart for criticisms or corrections I'm going to brace my heart for a reminder of a failure you said (laughs) God's not like us God welcomes this He delights to know that you delight in his word. So much so that you know what he said and you want to hold him to it because every word that comes from the Father's mouth is perfect. I just read this week how every word that comes from God's mouth is like silver refined seven times. It's pure. So when you pray, you say, God, you said this. Jesus said yes. I say amen. God, you said this promise. Jesus is its yes. And so I'm saying amen. Let it be done. Accomplish this. Guys, if you think I'm uh, throwing shade here, In in, in the book of Genesis, Jacob does this with God. In Genesis 31, God promises Jacob that he's going to be with Jacob and multiply him. Which, by the way, Jacob's name eventually gets turned to what? Israel. Israel. Way to go. Then, that's in Genesis 31. Later on, when Jacob is in this terrible crisis, he cries out to God in prayer and he says this. He says, good guess. He says, you said, God, you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob takes God's promise and brings it back to him. You said this, God. And guess what happens that night? That night, we have the famous wrestling match between Jacob and God, and God holds to his promises. And he blesses Jacob. Brothers and sisters, you cannot lose praying the promises. We don't just stand on the promises. We pray the promises. In fact, our praying is our standing on the promises. God, he's already said he's going to do them. His answer is never going to be no to something that he's already said he was going to do. So we're asking him to keep his promises. Now, some of you, this is, this is good news for you. This is really helpful. Because I think some of you have, and, and I know this from testimony, I know people have shared this with me, some of you are, are you don't know how to pray. Some of you are concerned, you're like, I don't, I don't know what to say, I mean And you have this holy reverence, like you know it's God, like the guy who could speak and galaxies come bursting out of his mouth. Like you know, what do I say before this God? How do I pray? What words do I use? Well, let me let me ask you this. Let me try to illustrate it. Do you remember how you learned how to speak English? Were you a two-year-old and your parents just handed you an English textbook and a baby bottle and you nursed it and read and flipped the pages? Yeah, go figure. Commander's fan, go figure. No, you learned to speak English because it was spoken first to you. You learn language only as it really is spoken to you. So if you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to say, you don't know what words to use, God's promises are how you can learn the language of prayer so this, this is your answer right here. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what things to prioritize. I, I, my inclination is to go and ask for that Bugatti and that nice house. But I don't know. I know that's not what God actually wants for me. Where, what does he want for me? Oh, he wants to start a work and complete it in my life. Philippians 1.6. All right, God, would you, the work that you have started in me, would you complete it? You said you would. Jesus guarantees it. I pray let it be done. Amen. This is your answer. Pray God's promises. Crack open the Bible. Find one of his promises and pray it because they are so precious and so great. So if you want wisdom, you want the ability to make godly choices instinctually, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Like, man, oh, that would be so good. Wisdom. Wisdom. God promises in James 1, for those of you who lack wisdom, you can ask Him without doubting, and He delights to give it to you. Oh, promise. There it is. If if you think that you are just too far gone in your faith, you've grown too weary of trusting the Lord and feel like He's failed, and that He... Your faith is so far gone that you don't think he's going to take you back. God promised in Isaiah 57, I have seen your ways, but I will heal you. I will lead you and restore comfort to you and to your mourners. Are you just really weary and exhausted? Jeremiah 31, God promises every languishing soul I will replenish. Guys, there's promises in this book about forgiveness for sin. There's promises of justification for the believer. There's promises of sanctification for the one who keeps on struggling with sin. There's promise of a supply of every need of yours as you seek the kingdom of God. There's a promise for guidance. There's a promise for preservation and perseverance. There's a promise for peace and joy and hope and love and victory and triumph and, 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 and ridding of all of your diseases and healing of all your iniquities. There's all these promises and so many more. So pray them. Now you, at this point, are rightly asking, well, if there's so many, you said there's how many? 3,000? How am I supposed to know which ones to pray when? How do I know when to find them? Fret not. Your pastor really loves you. In your bulletin is a resource, another prayer resource. Go ahead and pull it out. Put this together for our church family. It's a list of 71 different promises that I have found solace in and prayer in that relate to certain circumstances. Certain circumstances come in your life or you have certain concerns on your heart and you want to know how to pray. There are promises for every one of these. These circumstances can range from longings for your growth and godliness, longings for missions like that God's kingdom would advance, promises uh, uh, of, of needing provision, promises of when you're wrestling with doubts and fears and frustrations, promises in sufferings and burdens, struggling with sin. It goes on. The, the circumstances are here and the promise is over on the right My hope for you is that this is not your prayer life. It's just a supplement. My hope would be that you kind of keep this near you. That it not be the driving force of your prayer life, but it's one that you have as a resource available for you whenever you're struggling and you don't know what words to say. If you find this resource helpful, or if you're already excited about it and you want to... uh, Give it to a family member or a friend. There's going to be more out on the info kiosk back there. Let me close with this. You might think I'm pulling a squirrel here, but I'm not. You'll see how it ties in. Research shows that people spend about $130 billion on gift cards every year. You... Probably have a few of those in your wallet that you haven't used yet, right? Maybe you already lost one or two. Research shows that of the $130 billion purchased in gift cards, about $1 billion never gets used. These are benefits that have already been purchased but never get enjoyed. the same thing with God's promises. All the promises have been purchased. They are yes in Christ. There are 3,000 gift cards in your Bible of infinite value that can be spent on Everything the true believer could really want. Go and get them. Go and get the promises that Jesus bought for us and pray them, and you will get everything that you ask for from God. Already in Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection, or right now in this very moment applied to you, or one day when that curtain is torn, the sky is opened up, and he returns. All of them are yes. And so we say, amen. As I want to invite you into a, a time of prayer real quick. I want you to take a look at this resource. Because maybe right now you're finding some of these circumstances to be a bit more relatable than you realize. Maybe you don't sense God's presence. Or maybe you are currently under Satan's attack. Or maybe you are poor in spirit right now or maybe you want to be more patient or humble or godly i want to ask you right now if you would just kind of you bow your heads don't close your eyes but find a circumstance that you feel like you're in right now and i want you to pray that promise right now and i want you to pray out loud don't worry about who's next to you and when i hear things dying down I'll, i'll close this out It would be kind of foolish for us to have a sermon series on prayer and be in a season of prayer and hungering for God, but not pray together. So let's do that now. Holy Spirit, I ask now. Your word says that you will illuminate our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, to the glory of God. Would you in this very moment convince every part of our hearts of the value, the preciousness and the greatness of your promises to us. We will be a people who treasure your word above all. So may we show that we treasure it. May we pray like we treasure it. Your promises, God, are so good. They're so great. God, you promised that the gospel of the kingdom would go forth to all the nations. We say, let it be done. You promised, you said, that the work that you start uniquely in each of us, you will bring to completion. Let it be done. You said your people would be defined by an unquenchable, unstoppable love for one another that would show that we are your disciples. Let it be done. You said that you would purify your bride and wash her clean. Let it be done. God, I pray that you would meet us in this precious place, this special place. May this be a, a catalytic moment cataclysmic moment where you launch something new in the life of our church where we see your prayers answered your promises fulfilled our prayers answered God we value your word help us to know how to pray them back to you Keep us humble, but may we enter with boldness into the courts of our living God and seek help in our time of need through your promises. Because Jesus is all of your promises made yes. And he is all of your promises accomplished. Jesus, thank you for being our yes and amen inflame our prayer lives as we hunger for you more and more. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is uh, going to, this day wraps up week two of our guided prayer um, through our second part of our mission of love people. So we've Week one, prayed about loving God. Second week, we prayed about loving people. What do you think we're praying about week three? Making disciples. So you should have gotten that prayer guide in your bulletin as well. Daily prayer. If you did not, if you aren't getting the emails on a daily basis, please come see me after this or actually see Jen or Debbie. Let them get your emails. Um, I want to handle spiritual matters. Um, uh, If you need prayer guides from previous weeks, they are out on the info kiosk as well. Um, let me pray a prayer of benediction over you if you guys would stand from Romans 15. But I also want to issue the invitation, if you need prayer for encouragement or healing of any kind, I'd love to pray with you up here. If you're able to hang out for a little bit uh, and stay out of the cold a little bit longer, you can have some refreshments and and chill out and love on one another and uh, hopefully be a blessing to each other as the church. Um, Romans fifteen thirteen is what I want to pray for you today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have an incredibly blessed week.